Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another exciting episode of <laughs> FNO InsureTech. We love when we have exciting episodes like we do today. Isn't that right, Lee? We do. We do. It's very exciting it to is. have our guest on today. Uh-huh. And it's we're very excited. It's very exciting that you and I yeah. are uh, just about on our way to London, England. We yeah, are. Right. We're on our way. We've done episodes with guests in London before, in England before, but we've never done a podcast in England. And we are next week. We're doing our very first one. Can't wait for it. As uh, as um, officials of the Alacrity Solutions Group, for mm-hmm. whom we are employed, we are we are going to see people in London, England, for our work that we do for our day jobs, and it should be very exciting. It should be very exciting. And mm-hmm. I, I'm excited. I, I am excited about that one. I'm excited about that podcast. I'm excited about that guest. Today, I'm extremely excited about our guest who is on. The product that this person has, that this company has, uh, I have been a user for a couple of years, and I love it. You're getting a little bit ahead. because oh, I'm I, sorry. There's, some, there's something I have to say before, before we intro the company. Okay? I apologize. So Lee Boyd has a very specific <laughs> job at FNO Insure Tech. <laughs> You're not right? going to let this drop, are you? As, as all of you regular listeners know, all three of you, okay? He is the smart one. He's the smart one. <laughs> Lee is a te- he's more of a technical guy. He's an operational. He has a brilliant operational mind. So he comes with the questions and and the insights on that le- on that level. Okay. Other other than that, <laughs> <laughs> other than that, he I've, does nothing. <laughs> let me let me phrase it a different way. I've just gone through his entire job description. That's it. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, he's supportive. Lee's supportive, and uh-huh. he's involved. I show up if, day after day after day. If if he does, but if if we said to Lee, "Hey, Lee, can you get us a guest for our next episode?" <laughs> then th- no, that's not in his job description. I will say yes, and probably not follow through with it. However, there are those times when Lee Boyd, believe this or not, gets really worked up and excited about something. I do. I do. Something that is very exciting to him. That that is correct. You and so that right. when that happens, and out of two hundred and fifty episodes, we we we've been thinking, and we think this is the second time it's happened. Okay, I think it's a lot more. And after this podcast, we're <laughs> looking. Like, you think it's, it's happened? It's the second time it's happened. See, Double digits. Alicia and I. That's where we we spend our time finding guests and uh, and yeah. harangue and bothering people and and wrangling guests. You that's, do. That's 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 something that we do. But our little friend Lee, he shows up. He shows up, brings his I, A game, brings his A I game. Show up. But every once in a while, he's like, "I hey, am not the guest finder." What's typically. it like? What's it like to do all the work that you guys do? Well, yeah. today's episode, 
qualifies. This is a Lee Boyd driven episode. I think there's some jealousy that I found this guest and you didn't. Uh, is there a little jealousy? No. No, I wouldn't use the word jealousy. You're just you're just upset that I actually found somebody of really good work. <laughs> I'm just I'm just upset that it's you're gone shocked. from one you're to shocked. two. You've doubled. You've doubled, doubled the number of doubled the number of episodes that you've organized. You're Congratulations. Welcome. You're Congratulations. welcome. And Thank so and then he's like, I really want to have on Ting. That's right. Ting. And I must have laughed for 45 <laughs> minutes when he said that. The first time, because, you know, Ting is, you know, not, I mean, it's not a household name. Right. You didn't know. But I want you to know that after you hear this episode today, you're going to want to know a lot more about this company. Super interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, Super successful. Yeah. And solving a really important problem. We have Bob Marshall, the co-founder and CEO of Ting on with us today. Yeah, he's a co-founder CEO of Whisker Labs, and they make Ting. Ting is a IoT device that you plug into your home, and it helps detect electrical fires. It helps to stop fires from happening by alerting Ting uh, itself, by alerting the homeowner, and then actually doing things to help mitigate those fires. It is a fascinating product. I've had it for almost two years, and I love it. I've been wanting them on the podcast for the past two years, and I ran into Bob at ITC, and I cornered him in the booth and said, we got a podcast. you got to be on it. He said, okay, why not? And he's here today. And, and, and you'll see. It's, this is a wonderful episode. You're really going to like it. And, and I want you to listen carefully that, yes, they sell a product called Ting that does a very specific thing, but the service that's wrapped around it is really uh, remarkable. And the data data that's driven out of it and what they can do with it, stunning, amazing, great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee and I were talking that this is, this is an old school episode for us because it takes us back to IoT where we haven't been in a while. Right. And, and about just straight up InsureTech products that make sense. Yeah. It's a great episode. Let's jump in. So without further ado... Get ready for an exciting episode with Bob Marshall, co-founder and CEO at Ting. Hey, everybody. We are here with a special guest. Lee is having a I'm in love. I'm excited. I'm excited. Lee's Lee's beyond excited. This is a this is a an episode that we've been trying to have for a long time, right? Yeah, Yeah, I've been trying. I don't know what Bob knows, but yes, we've been trying for a long time. Lee has many jobs at FNO and SureTech Podcast. One of them is not getting guests, guest finder. He's not a guest finder, but but this is the exception. So just before we even get started, we have with us today Bob Marshall, who is the co-founder and CEO of Whisker Labs, and their product that you know better than Whisker Labs is Ting, which... um, is a really big deal. And we'll talk about that for a few minutes. But why are you so excited about this, Lee? Well, I'm excited because this is a device that I've had in my home for over two years. And it's a actionable device that I actually use on a weekly basis. And I check it out. But I'm excited. I'm excited about all this. And we have Bob here. Bob, welcome. 
Lee, great to be here. Rob, great to be here. Looking forward to this. It should be fun. Yes, we have set we have set the bar very high. So. <laughs> It'll be a great time. Yeah, this better be a good interview, Bob. I want you to know right now. <laughs> no no trouble. You're know, in trouble. I'm, you know, big trouble. Big. I've been there before, though. Um, <laughs> welcome to our podcast. It's 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 great to have you here. Lee has honestly been talking about you for a very long time, and he went out of his way at InsureTech Connect this year to kind of hunt you down. I did. That's very it true. Was a great show. Great show at InsureTech Connect. It was a good one. And so let's jump in after that uh, <laughs> strange introduction and talk about Ting. And uh, why, why don't we start by, tell us what is Ting and, 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 and what do you do at the company? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm one of the co-founders. And you know, just to give you a little bit of background about how we got here, this is the second company that I've had the, the, the good fortune to co-found. And you know, the other, I'm an engineer by background, so I'm a technologist, a data guy. Uh, and that's really all I've ever done career-wise is connect sensors to the internet and 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 try to uh, get valuable data. And several years ago, my sister-in-law's house, you know, unfortunately experienced a terrible fire, lost the entire house. Oh lost wow! Yeah, lost a pet. Oh you know, wow! And, and you know, so it was a fire. They lost everything and very traumatic. And and I had never experienced anything like that. And and uh, it turned out it was an electrical fire. And at that time, I knew absolutely nothing about electrical fires. But, you know, we did in the prior company have some of the best electromagnetic signal processing engineers on the planet. That's a big wow. mouthful. Right yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't even know what that means. But we'll <laughs> yeah, trust exactly. Jeff. I mean, a bunch of, bunch of geeky engineers that do stuff with electricity. There and you um, so, so I challenged them at that time. I said, why can't we take some of our experience and technology and apply them to this problem and try to prevent these electrical fires? When you look them up, you know, there's about 50,000 of them every year in the U.S. That's one every 10 minutes or so. That's a lot, there's, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, the U.S. is a huge place, but 50, like you're saying, it's how, it's, I mean, every few and, minutes. And yeah, and, and they're often the worst fires. I mean, the most common fire is a kitchen fire, but you're generally in the kitchen and you know you did something, you know, not very good and you started a fire and it doesn't typically result in, you know, a catastrophic loss, not that any fire is good. Yeah. You know, but electrical fires, you know, they start, you know, from damaged wires and loose connections. They can be inside the wall. They can be in your electric panel. They can be in the utility meter outside. They can be in devices and heating blankets and things plugged in inside. And you can be, you know, these fires happen when you're asleep or when you're not home. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be doing anything and an electrical fire can, can can ignite. And that's why these are often some of the most catastrophic fires that impact homes. They, you know, they're often total losses, you know, so they're terrible, you know, first and foremost for the homeowners and the families and, and people are killed every year and lots of you know, families with devastating impacts. But, you know, for insurers, they're they're terrible losses, too. I mean, it's. You know, not only just the claims that the insurers pay, but but the you know trying to help their customers deal with the experience, you know, goes way beyond just the dollars that they end up paying out, you know, in a fire claim like that. So, anyway, that's you know that's why we, you know, started working on the product, and you know it turned you know it was a super hard technical problem. You know, we won't spend a lot of time talking them through the engineering of it all, but it was a really hard problem to solve, and particularly to be able to do it with you know one single. Sensor. Yeah, it's just a, it's just one single plug that you 
plug in. And that was really the hard part. I mean, if you put, you know, if you put 20 of these things in the house, it gets a lot easier, but then the economics would never work and it's too hard for the customer. And so, and let's, for those people, I mean, we have the advantage of video. Our, our audience does not, but hold that up again. I mean, I want everybody to understand that this is about the size, size of, of a, yeah, size I mean, of a it's night, like, right? it looks like a pack, the size of a pack of cigarettes. It's about that size. Right. right. Yeah. So it's just a, you know, it's a, a plug. And, and one of the key things about this, you know, it is an IOT sensor, but it's, it's much more than that. Really, the intelligence of it is, is in the machine learning and artificial intelligence and the data. The hardware is just a means to an end. Right. I mean, the hardware doesn't matter at all. It's all around, you know, that that sensor takes 30 million measurements every single second of every single day. So 30. It's a very busy sensor. And we do machine learning on the device. We do, you know, we, you know, that's connected. Obviously, what's obviously super important is it's a connected sensor. So it's connected to your Wi-Fi and streaming data to our cloud where we do additional machine learning and AI in the cloud to detect the tiny little electrical signals that would be future electrical fires. So, you know, so we've got to, with one single sensor, monitor the miles and miles of wiring and hundreds and hundreds of connections uh, throughout a house, a very complex electrical system, and pinpoint the source of where a fire would start that could be, you know, in a basement outlet that nobody's ever down there, but that's where the fire would start. And we need to find it and fix it and prevent that fire from ever igniting. I mean, that just blows my mind that you can do all of that with this little sensor. I mean, I guess give us a little insight. How, I mean, don't you have to give secret sauce, of course, but how does it work? I mean, what is it? You're, you're plugged into the grid, but how does it, how does it work? Yeah, that is the secret sauce. <laughs> that is the secret I sauce, mean, I, I guess. I have to kill you, but <laughs> Wait, let me get, let me get <laughs> paper and pencil so I can write this down. <laughs> but I mean. No, so basically what happens is, you know, when, what is called arcing, you can think of it like sparking. Uh, arcing is smaller, but these little tiny little arcs. So if there's a loose connection or damaged wire, it could be in an outlet, right? I mean, in, in inside of a wall, very common. And, you know, when there's a loose connection on in your outlet, and, and that's even like the thing you plug in, right? If the prongs are really loose, like that's like a warning sign. Don't, don't use an outlet where the, the plug will barely stay in the outlet. I mean, that's, that's a fire hazard. I mean, that, that if you leave something plugged in there and it's loose, it can start to arc. Uh, and these little tiny sparks, it, it creates a signal, an electrical signal that propagates down the wire back to your main electric panel, your main breaker panel, and then little pieces of it bounce out to every other outlet in the house. You know, so no matter where Ting is installed, we're able to detect that arcing that is occurring anywhere in the house. And then, you know, we, you know, the, you know, it's amazing what the artificial intelligence does today. You know, we, you know, just a, a quick story. It, it, the system learns so fast. So literally starting, you know, like 18 months ago, we started to see a new signal that was clearly arcing and we didn't know what it was. We just knew it was arcing. And then the first couple times we find it, we, we had to figure out what circuit it was on. No problem, because if you turn off the breaker panel with the circuit, then the signal goes away. So we know it's on that circuit. And then what's what's being used on that circuit? Well, there's these crazy new products out there called pet heating blankets. 
mean, <laughs> these are heating blankets that you know homeowners you put in your doghouse or in your cat stop. house. Stop. I mean, that's that right. Stop. Stop. Yes. Yes. You know, and and you know, and they're crazy. They're 120 volts in the outlet, and the animals obviously have claws and things. It's not good. You know, so we, you know, we detected arcing in in the in the pet heating blanket, but you know, at that 30 million measurements per second that we take, it's got a unique signature. So you know, so the next time we see that, like, wow, that looks like the pet heating blanket that we had. Wow, last week. So now. You know, when we, you know, our fire safety team, so, we, you know, if a, if a customer gets notified of a fire hazard, it's not just a piece of hardware. I mean, uh, like, you know, Lee, if we detected a problem with your ting, I mean, you would get a app notification, an email, a text and a phone call from our fire safety team. So you'd talk to one of our engineers that would say, hey, Lee, we're detecting a problem in your home. Here's what we think it is. Here's what we need to do. And if we need to bring in an electrician, we're going to schedule an electrician and we'll pay for that too. We'll pay for the electrician to come in, you know, to fix this for you. So it's a service. It's a concierge. Yeah, it's service. a whole service. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just a piece of hardware. It's a service. Also, I mean, there would be no product if we, you know, if we just called you and said, hey, Lee, you know, you got a terrible problem. Good luck. I hope you find yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Good Good luck. You probably have a fire there. So good yeah. luck with that. Yeah. So no, we have to, we have to close the loop and we notify the homeowner. We isolate the source of the problem and we mitigate it, document it all. So it's, it's just amazing how that works today. But, uh, you know, the technology is uh, cool. But it's, in the end, you know, my passion is around delivering a great experience to the customer and, you know, just preventing the fires and, and making it a nice, simple experience, which is what is why we've been successful in scaling is that we try to keep it simple for the homeowner, right? Just plug it in, connect it to Wi-Fi. That's yeah. all you got to do. It takes two minutes, right? That service aspect that you just outlined is really, in my opinion, kind of, well, I'm going to say more important, but just as important as the, you know, as the thing that plugged into the wall, right? Absolutely. I mean, and, and this is like, and this is a problem in the IoT world, for, you know, for the home, is that you can have a lot of devices, but if if they're not helping you to solve the problem... Right. Yeah. If they're just a, they're a gadget that's kind of, you know, doing whatever it's doing. No, it's you got to solve a problem for the customer and, yeah. and, and solve a meaningful one. Right. Right. I mean, a smoke alarm is an immediate, you know, feedback loop. Right. Yeah. And yeah no. And so Ting does not I always be sure to say, you know, Ting does not replace smoke alarms. Right. You always keep not. I mean, you know, that, you know, we. <laughs> You know, it, it's a perfect compliment, right? I mean, a smoke smoke alarm only tells you that you have an active fire after Correct. the fire is started. Whereas Ting is our job is to prevent the fire from ever making smoke to make the smoke alarm go off, right? So that's mm -hmm. what we do every day. But it does not replace them. You have to make sure everybody should always have updated smoke detectors, replace those batteries, and all that. So you right. talk about it. You talk about AI, and maybe we'll talk a little more about it as well. But but uh, I'm thinking about the data here. You're getting, so you're getting data all the way down to the individual home level. So one house, like Lee, like Lee's house, mm -hmm. you have data on Lee's house and what's going on inside of there. But because you have literally hundreds of thousands or millions of these little yeah. gizmos out in the real world, yep. you're getting data all from all over the place. All over that grid. Right. 
right? Yeah, it's, it's, in, it's uh, yeah, the data, the telematics data, if you want to think of it that way, is just, we always thought it would be valuable one day. Of course, you know, early on when you don't have many sensors, you just don't have that much, but it's incredible today. So we're documenting, you know, we, we literally are the world's experts when it comes to electrical faults and hazards and fires. I mean, we are detecting and documenting in great detail, you know, what would be the cause of future fires. And obviously, if left alone, they would be the cause of the fires that happened. But after the fact, it's really hard for anybody to really know what happened. I mean, the house just burned down. Yeah, you know, it's really hard to figure out after the fact. So, you know, so the data that we have, we were able to document, you know, what homes are higher risk. We're seeing significant ge geographic dependencies, right? So there's the hazard, you know, it's more, uh, there's more fire hazards per capita, say, uh, in certain states and geographies. And then, uh, uh, Rob, you went there too, or Lee did on the, on the grid. So, you know, you might've seen a bunch of news around the the Maui fires from from a few months ago now, coming up on the six month anniversary, I think, of, yeah. of that, that terrible fire. But, you know, so one single Ting sensor documents and monitors all the wiring in the home. But when you couple that with hundreds of thousands, soon to be millions of sensors, then we're detecting problems on the electric utility grid that have never been documented before. And and I think, you know, for society today, grid resilience is just a huge issue. I mean, Rob, you just said you guys in Northern California are experiencing uh, terrible storms now and, right, and lots right. of grid problems. And so society relies on a, on a safe and reliable and functioning grid. And that grid is getting increasingly stressed as we plug in more stuff, rely more on electricity. Vehicles. I mean, vehicle, yeah, the, EVs the and solar and batteries and all that stuff. It's mm -hmm. incredibly complex and the grid, you know, and, and, and Lee, you're in Texas, right? I mean, right. I mean, a couple of years ago or so, I mean, you yeah. guys had a complete meltdown of your complete grid meltdown of the grid. Right. Yeah. And, and, it, and it caught, I think 130 people died and it was mm -hmm. billions and billions in losses from yeah. frozen pipes and things like that. So, so the network of Tings is going to help us work with utilities to make the grid more resilient and prevent some of these, you know, kind of catastrophic losses, like what happened in, in, in uh, Maui and, and then some of the other things. So what kind of information does it tell you about the grid? Full disclosure, I know very little about it. I know what it is conceptually, but what can it tell you that becomes actionable or important? Yeah, I mean, so basically when and where problems are occurring on the grid. So, you know, so what, you know, if you just take the Maui, which is probably most, you know, in, in, in people's minds, um, you know, anytime a tree limb, uh, and it gets windy, right? So the grid's mm -hmm. got to handle wind and rain and everything else. But when it gets windy, you know, trees uh, start touching power lines or wires start flapping in the wind and touching each other, or a pole will break. Any of those things create giant sparks that can ignite wildfires. And so understanding, you know, when and where you're going to have problems on the grid that could uh, spark catastrophic wildfires, as, as one example, is super important. You know, even in Chicago over the summer when they had 105 degree uh, temperatures and, you know, the grid was super stressed. And there were particular areas, small communities that were, you know, on the brink of kind of collapsing. I mean, the voltage was, you know, supposed to be 120 volts and it was like 97 volts. 
Yeah. Things barely operate, you know, but but knowing where the grid is stressed and, you know, allow, you know, the utilities just don't have that kind of data, high resolution data. You would think they would, right? I mean, that's yeah, what you would think they yeah. would. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's how, their how business. You, that's their business. Right. <laughs> right. That is the business. I mean, to deliver safe and reliable power. And how do you manage what you don't measure? But they don't have sensors, you know, that do the kind of things that Ting does and the Ting network. So, you know, so when we detect arcing as an example um and and rob northern california we had a we you know the only thing we'll never know is whether this would have been a catastrophic wildfire but ting was detecting arcing a couple of our sensors were detecting arcing and when more than one sensor is detecting the arcing it's not going on in the home it's occurring on the grid because they're all detecting it at the same time and this turned out to be a piece of utility equipment that was literally dripping molten metal down to the ground in oh, a wow. high threat area of Northern California. Um, you know, but the utilities would never have known had we not notified them that there's a clear arcing problem on your grid. That one did not ignite a wildfire. They got there, they found it, they fixed it. But that's the kind of stuff that does cause wildfires. So that's something that you actually reached out to the electrical company and said, hey, we, we're noticing this. Yes. You better go check. And they checked it out. They did. And 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 that's been a challenge, I will say. Of course. Sometimes, of course. sometimes they don't listen and, and, and they're not anxious to kind of. Sure. Um, uh, who the hell are it. you? I mean, yeah. Who the hell are you? How does that little thing, how's yeah. that little ping plug thing tell me that there's a problem on my grid? Well, trust me, it does. <laughs> uh, and and once they understand that, then, then I think it'll be much better for everybody. So- I want to talk about your customers, which are mostly from what our understanding is, is, well, of course, most of your customers are individual homeowners, mm -hmm. but it's a very, but it's producing very important data for insurers, yeah. for carriers. But are yeah. you also doing business with energy providers, electricity providers? We're just beginning to provide services to the utility providers, but our business model yeah, is what you would call B to B to C. So, you know, we don't, you know, you can buy Ting online, you know, so you can go to our website and buy Ting. It's not our business model. I don't encourage people to go do that. You're welcome to do that. Uh, but our primary business model is to partner with insurance companies because they obviously have a vested interest. One, they generally, it's a great business model to take care of your customers and help protect them. Uh, the fact that we prevent claims you know, in excess of the cost of the service kind of makes it a no brainer. I mean, it's yeah. uh, so so our insurance partners, you know, so we've got basically large partnerships in place where our insurance partners offer King for free to their customers. They'll just send them an email as an example and say, hey, if, if you want to protect your family and homes from potential electrical fires, click the button. And you click the button and say, I want Ting. And they let us know that, you know, and then we ship it. And uh, the, the customer installs it. So, you know, our largest uh, customer is State Farm, but State Farm Nationwide, Liberty Mutual, Erie, Pure Insurance, several others launching here shortly. You know, so we are, you know, very much focused on partnering with our insurance carriers to solve a super important problem for them. Really take the relationship to a different level, too. When you think about it from an agent's perspective or the customer, I mean, you know, and obviously you guys obviously deal with claims all the time. And that's that's awesome. They have to deliver a great experience to customers when they 
have a problem and have to file a claim, right? Super important. They all focus on that. You all are great partners to them in that. But, you know, if you can proactively work with the customers to help prevent the claim, yeah, that's also a great thing, right? And so it's predict and prevent, right? If, if, if you can help predict and prevent claims, that's, that's great for everybody. So your results must be quantifiable because, I mean, right. I can think of all different kinds of ways that you could measure it, yeah. but talk about, you go to a carrier and you say, here's a carrier over here. And I would think that your approach would be per 100,000 homes or whatever the measurement yeah. is, there used to be this many electrical fires, but with Ting, we find yep. that it's a much lower number. Is that kind of how it you look yeah, at that, it or tell yeah, us, talk about that? Yeah, that that's exactly right. That is how you do it. Now, you know, the reality is because electrical fires occur roughly in one in 2000 homes every year, you know, the actuaries will want to have a lot of data to draw a conclusion like that, right? To get statistically significant data. But we have that now. I mean, we have 550,000 home years of data. Uh, we're in 550,000 homes today. We're adding 50,000 new homes per month to the network. So we're growing super rapidly. But yeah, it is. I mean, what you want to do is is deploy the tings and you know what your electrical fire loss experience has been. And then you uh, measure it in the ting cohort of homes and it will be lower. One of the amazing things that we've learned over the last several months is uh, that there is a, uh, a self-selection bias. So, you know, you, you know, people talk about auto telematics, right? So, you know, when, when you get an offer from your carrier to, for, you know, for them to kind of monitor your driving habits, well, the, the bad drivers don't typically opt into that, right? Right. <laughs> you know, only, only the good ones opt into only that. Only the good ones. You know, whereas it's the opposite here. What's in, you know, so when, when, when a carrier emails you, if you have pre-existing concerns, hey, I'm in a 50-year-old house. Right. So I've, you know, I've had a couple breakers trip or I've had some flickering lights or, you know, I just don't feel quite right about my electricity. I don't know why, but I got this offer. So the riskiest customers opt in first. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. That's exactly. <laughs> so at Christmas time, I put out quite a few Christmas lights and sometimes my breaker might flip and right. you know I might accidentally over. But I get so nervous about what I can't see. And so when I got my email from my insurance company, I said, that's me. Put me at ease. And you're, you're absolutely right. It was the one I was so nervous about it. I said, yes, please tell me if there's a problem. Unlike driving, right? If I'm a bad driver, I'm like, get the thing away. Exactly. Here, I'm like, I could be a risk. Let me know. That's no, exactly no, so how it worked. So that, and that, that obviously helps the economics too, because we kind of, you know, the, the program self-selects in the riskiest customers and we make them safe. So, yeah. it, you know, uh, so it, it's, uh, but we didn't know that kind of, you know, going in until you accumulate a lot of data and you see all the stats. I mean, we're, we're saving 15 homes per day now. I mean, wow. so, so that's, you know, so that's, we just, uh, uh, I just posted on LinkedIn over the weekend, I think the, so 8,000 families and homes, we just uh, crossed the threshold. So 8,000 times of the 550,000 homes that we're in, we've notified the homeowner that there's a problem. It could start a fire. We need to find it and we need to fix it. And we've done that now 8,000 times. And that's, and it's 15, yeah, thank you. It's 15 per day. And, you know, we have a, in our Slack channel in the, uh, in the company here, we use Slack a lot and we have a, a feedback channel and literally every day we get 
15 or so testimonials from customers that just say, oh my gosh, thank you for saving my home and potentially saving our lives. Uh, so yeah, it's, 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 it's very gratifying, but it is a ton of work. And the team that behind it, the fire safety team, the engineering team, the data science team, our support teams and everybody, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a full on team effort to try to protect our customers. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable to me. Frequently we'll ask on podcasts, what, what's the problem that you're solving? And you have a very straightforward problem. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, and I think that's where some of our challenges, and, and there, there's been a lot of kind of attempts and failures at, at IoT uh, with insurance, uh, and you know over the years, um, and, and and some of the a lot of those are around the water. Yeah, you know, water water is a big huge category, right? It's bigger than fire. There's more water losses than fire losses. I mean, anybody that can figure out a water solution that scales and helps insurance companies prevent it, great, good for you. But a lot of those things have kind of struggled um, because, you know, uh, water, if you put a water leak sensor in, it's hard to get customers motivated to want it. Yeah. I mean, that's why you got insurance. It's not like it's going to kill you, right? It's it's not fun. Nobody wants a water loss. Right. I mean, but then but then activating them, then you got to install like three or four water pucks or whatever. And then keep up with them. And then you got to keep up. The batteries run out. Right. I mean, all right. That, right exactly. And then so, you know, so a lot of those those efforts, again, not disparaging any of those, because there's a lot of great technology out there and companies and that are focused on this issue. And hopefully somebody figures it out. But they just struggled to kind of get the customer motivated to do what they need to do. Right. And then they ultimately didn't prevent enough losses to make the economics work. And Rob, to your point, what, and again, I don't think we knew this going in. I mean, we were technology, we were just trying to prevent fires. And, but it turns out people really do care, right? I mean, they care. They don't want a fire. You have an innate fear mm-hmm. of fire and you don't like electricity. And if this thing, you know, if a simple ting plug can kind of protect your home and family and prevent the fires. It's, it's, it's not complicated for people to, to understand. No, it's yeah. like in, in, in my house, I have a bunch of smoke alarms, right? In part, because when you, when you get a building permit in, I live in California where everything's ridiculous. <laughs> and so uh, when you get a building permit in Sacramento and they come and they inspect it when the, when the job is done, they check to make sure that all the rooms that they want a smoke alarm that you have to have them or they won't clear the, the permit. And so I don't know how many I have a bunch. They're not connected to one another, but, but it's something that I care about. Right. Right. Because it's a, I mean, it's multiple ways that it can help you and save you literally and dollar wise. And so that's that's same thing here. No, it is. Yeah. And, and, and it's preventing. And, and, and again, I, I should be clear, too, that we don't prevent 100 percent. I always want to make sure as much as we, we desire to prevent 100 percent of electrical fires, we can't prevent them all. We prevent, I think, uh, about 80 percent. And, you know, we document that it's all statistically uh, followed. But, um, you know, but we strive every day to prevent them all. But there are certain failure modes that we just can't uh, can't prevent. So is that to say that you see in the in the cohorts that you measure yeah. that have your product that have a ting inside an 80% yeah. reduction of electrical yeah. fires. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, sim the simple math is, you know, we use NFPA data. So the National Fire Protection Association, they're the ones that kind of catalog and monitor all the fires uh, across the country. And there's again, there's 50,000 roughly in that, you know, depending on your denominator, it's about one in 2000 homes. And, and when we partner with an insurance company, we exchange claim information. So we hear we almost always hear directly from our customers, unfortunately, if there is an electrical fire in their home. Uh, but if we don't hear it from our customer, we hear it from our insurance partner. So we basically track the frequency of fires uh, that happen in our customer homes versus the frequency of fires that is documented by uh, the National Fire Protection Association. And that's where you come up with the 80%. Uh, and so we've published a couple of papers on that, scientific papers with um, mm -hmm with the kind of the independent world leading fire experts and things. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was that, is that Ting does more than just provide that service and that, and that, you know, keeping you safe, you actually help, you actually help educate the insured or the, the user along the way. You tell us uh, on Ting whenever there's a power outage, right? Yeah. In, in my home or in the neighborhood, a brownout, you tell me what a brownout is. But yeah. then you you send me articles along the way at, at Christmas time or yeah. even one about uh, electrical outlets when it's time to replace them. I just got that one the other day. Right. That's another service that you're providing to the insurance companies. You're not just providing and saying, "Hey, there might be a fire," but we want to we want to do everything we can to prevent even those that we can't detect. Right. And and that's what it that's what it seems like. Is that a mission of yours? It is. Yeah. And I think we're, you know, it, again, it's pretty fortuitous that, you know, the, the we've got very, very trusted relationships with our customers, right? I mean, they they signed up to help protect their family and home, but they they pay attention to Ting, right? I mean, we have, we have eight touches per month, basically. So we send weekly, as you know, weekly okay, yeah. emails uh, that you get documenting power outages and surges and brownouts and and other things. And then we put tips in each of those things. And then our monthly newsletter. And then on average, customers receive about three notifications, real-time notifications for power outages or brownouts. And I think you said you got a community brownout notification the other day. Yeah, I did. So those, each one of those opportunities is an opportunity to engage the customer proactively and, and help educate them on things that, that would help uh, sometimes directly related to electricity, but sometimes we talk about cooking fires and, right. and other, other things and and water losses, too. I mean, so, you know, we we also have been able to contribute. We haven't been able to quantify to preventing water losses, too. I listened to an article or I listened to you talk on this. Tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, we you know, anytime water and electricity can mix, it's no good. Right. Yeah. Water and electricity are that's no bueno. So, you know, so when, you know, so if a water heater is failing, you know, when they fail, a lot of times it's a big flood in your basement or wherever your water heater is. I mean, so yeah. we detect that element failing before it fails catastrophically. Sump pumps is another good example, right? So sump pumps, if you have a basement sump pump, then, you know, when it's failing, I mean, that means you're going to have a flood in your basement, but we detect the failing sump pump before it fails and prevent a lot of those. And then the, wow. then the third piece is the only other thing we measure besides voltage is temperature. So, you know, so it's just a temp, but that's a frozen pipe issue, right? So, you, and, you know, you guys had the grid meltdown. So it, right. you know, an unbelievable story where a customer, uh, and we got a bunch of these, but the one I remember is, is the customer has a Nest thermostat. So a connected Google Nest thermostat, and they were going away on vacation in the wintertime, maybe going from Minnesota to Florida or something. And they turned their heat on eco, 
They thought it, they were turning on eco to save energy while they're gone. Well, they didn't actually turn it on eco. They turned it off. Oh, dear. They didn't realize they turned it off. So they turned off their heat in Minnesota in the winter. Well, that means it's going to get really cold. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you're going to have frozen pipes. And that's a catastrophe. But then we notified him. You know, he said he was unbelievably surprised when Ting notified him that, you know, that it was cold in his house and uh, they were at risk of frozen pipes. And then he logged on to his Nest app and said, oh, my gosh, I turned it off instead of on Eco and yeah. turned it back on. So, I mean, that's a, you know, a, a huge water loss prevented, right? How did you know it was cold? Well, we have a temperature sensor in the in the outlet. So so we, we set a threshold at 42 degrees. If the house is, you know, 42 degrees or lower, then something may be wrong and we let you know. So what we're talking about is an IoT device that works. It does. <laughs> it does just work, which is fortunate. It's simple and it just works. And, and because, because I mean, you, you, you plug the damn thing in and kind of forget about it. Yeah. Plug it I do. Yeah. I do. I, I completely forget. But what, what you did, what, I mean, just by the nature of what it is, the hardest part about IoT is keeping those things alive keeping those water battery packs, you know, the water sensors, you got to get them every so often they, they got to be changed. But by definition of what it is, you always have power to it. And when you yeah. don't, that's the problem. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, it's, yeah, there's the, no batteries, there's no maintenance, yeah. there's no nothing. I mean, you just plug it in and, and, you know, we'll engage you, provide the notifications and everything. hopefully you don't hear from a yeah. Something about a fire hazard, you know, uh, but if you do, I mean, we're going to help prevent the fire. Rob asked me where mine was plugged in. I said, Rob, I don't, I don't even remember where I plugged it in. And then I, I did. I was like, oh yeah, I moved it here. But you plug it in, you forget about it and you get a weekly update saying, oh, things are good. Yeah, no, it's simplicity is super key. I mean, I, yeah. it's, you know, if you make it complex for the homeowner, uh, make them do too much work. Make yeah, them do maintenance. May, it, it just doesn't scale. The very so, first water IoT device I have, I got from from ITC maybe four or five years ago. It is still in the top of my closet because yep. it was too complicated. It was yep. too hard to even start. Now, they're not around anymore, I don't believe. But, I mean, it, it was too hard. You can't underestimate how important that is. I mean, and yeah. obviously we kind of take it for granted. Uh, but we do... You know, our product teams and, and development teams, you know, I, we emphasize every single day making sure, you know, when somebody, you know, somebody will have an idea, why don't we just add this? But you yeah. know what? I mean, every time you make the user click, then you're adding complexity and somebody's not going to click. And, you know, you just got to minimize, you kind of have that Apple. Now, you know, you can be a fan or not a fan of Apple. Yeah, but I mean, right. I mean, they... You know, but they they they're so myopically focused on making it simple and easy, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so because these I'm holding my phone up are incredibly complicated devices, there. right? It does way more than even the three of us know. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. And and so how do you take something that that's that that capable and complex and everything and make it so that a moron like me can even use it, right? I, it's it's an incredibly difficult challenge. And I think that this is one of the most interesting things, not just in IoT world, but in technology period, is that what happens, you talk about being myopic, you go into a product meeting in a company like yours or others, right? And you're in, for example, an office or a virtual office together talking a bunch of people who know 
what the hell they're talking about with a product that they know and understand. Right. I open it from the box. I'm not in that room. Right. I, I don't know what the hell about any of it. Yeah. Right. right? And yeah. I think it's hard. Not It's hard for the consumer to be in that seat, for the end consumer. It's also hard for the product team to fully empathize and to pretend, well, what if I didn't know anything? Right. Yeah, you have to constantly put yourself in that mindset of the customer. But the great companies, like them or not, the great companies are good at that. Well, we are trying to be good at that. I can tell you that. I mean, we uh, we we get problems and always uh, you know always looking to be better. But you know, I know you know with our insurance customers, it's it's not uncommon for our fire safety team to have to talk to a a ninety year old grandmother that is in the house alone, yeah, has a fire hazard and doesn't know anything about electricity, and we've got to calmly walk her through because that's a, that freak freak somebody out. Yes. Right. And we get great marks on that. I mean, we train, I we work. I mean, but it's, you know, we've got to, you know, as you said, there's the customers often will know nothing about electricity. And, you know, to hear that your home may catch fire, you know, can be a frightening thing. Right. I mean, and, and you know, but we're here to help and make sure we solve that before something bad happens. I have to ask you this because I live in an 85 year old home. Yeah. Do you find that old homes are more likely to have problems than newer homes? We do. Yes. I, uh, and we, I mean, um, that's intuitive, but is that yeah, what you Yeah, it is intuitive. And, and we see that in the self-selection um, sometimes. Uh, but I will tell you, it's not necessarily as great as you might think. And there, it actually goes the other way at some, you know, we document this, you know, by age of home built now and can't speak to yours, but a lot of, you know, when you get to 85 years old, uh, the home, those electrical systems have had a lot of work done to them. So they actually may be quite a bit better than the homes that are like 50 years old uh, because mm. oh. they haven't been touched yet. Right. And the other thing that's that we found that it, we didn't know coming in is that half of the hazards that we find are in devices plugged in. And that has almost nothing to do with the age of the home. Because you're replacing your microwaves and TVs and and laptops. Oh yeah, right. So the so half of the problems we find are defective or failing devices or appliances, and th that has little to do with home age. So, I see. Yeah. So mm -hmm. so actually, like a a old heated blanket would be something you don't associate that with the home. The age of the home. Well, we know what the age of the home was, but basically the blankets get replaced every ten years. Yeah. So every you know every ten or twenty years or whatever the life, those things don't last fifty years. Right. So you know so when we see hazards like that, so you know the bottom line is every home has electrical fire hazard risk. It does skew uh, to some degree to older homes just because the wiring you know wiring and panels and outlets they they don't improve with age just like us as much as we want to, we generally <laughs> don't improve with age, right? Yeah, Lee. But I'm speaking yeah, for Lee. myself. Not, not yeah. you. <laughs> I'm all sad now. Well, I mean, I mean, you're not that old of a company. You're not that old of a company. September I mean, 2017. 17. When we spun off the new company from the old company, yeah. Well, in the insure tech world, you're, you're a, you know, you're a middle-aged company. 
Yeah. So, yeah. It, um, it took us a while to figure out the tech and get it right. And, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and to get, you know, to get the data we needed to document it all took time and, you know, but it is, you know, uh, you know, 50,000 homes a month is um, kind of crazy. The train's going really fast and we're hiring a lot of people. And, and, um, and so. Um, How big is Ting today? How many uh, employees? Wise, I mean, 100 employees now. Um, wow, that's great. Nice. Okay, that's a doubles, lot, man. You know, a little over double from this time uh, last year, I would think. And we'll be 200 by the end of this year. Venture, roughly. Venture backed? We are venture backed, yeah. Mm-hmm. So venture backed. Mm-hmm. I think uh, some prominent investors in the InsureTech world. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we do have uh, State Farm as a small investor, but you know, our, our uh, venture backed companies, HarborVest, Polaris, uh, are you know. So I've I've had the good fortune to have just fantastic investors, super super smart people that that you know focus on the customer too. You know, they obviously they you know the numbers are important and everything, but you know they want to solve important problems. Yeah, and I think you know I've had investors that have always had the mindset that if you're if you're solving an important problem, then you should find a way to make that a good business. I mean, yeah, sometimes that's not as easy as it seems, but you know, but but you, it's you know, if you're solving an important problem, then that's a good start. When you started, I want I just before you, we go, and I know we're towards the end of our time, but I want I want to ask you a little bit more about working with carriers because mm-hmm. I, I think it's I always think it's interesting. When we go and we sell to carriers, we're usually selling a product or a service, a service typically that they're very, very, very familiar with. Yeah. That they, man, maybe they're using it from other providers already. You walked in the door offering something that probably no one else had offered yet, right? Yeah, they and still they're like, yeah. Yeah. And, and you walked out of the room and they all laughed and said, can you believe this one, right? We, we yeah. thought we'd heard everything. Look at right. this, right? Now you're having the last laugh, which is awesome. I love that. But yeah, it was definitely well. Look, I mean, in fairness, you know, when you're, you have to prove it, you, there's, you know, there's that show me thing, right? I mean, yeah. does it really do what, you know, what you think it can? And, and we had to prove it to ourselves too. I mean, it was a hard problem. And, you know, the good thing is now we have enough data um, right. and, and history and experience that, right. you know, that largely we're past that. I mean, but we're still, as I mentioned earlier, there's still a lot of carriers that, that are dealing with the baggage of of failed IoT programs from several years ago, you know this. You know, uh, you know the water thing got really big back in twenty seventeen, and and did those things never really scaled. And you know, so they're they're skeptical. I mean, well, why if that failed, why does this IoT prevention you get sense- you get thrown into the yeah. same bucket as yeah. any as any device, right? Yeah, that's right. And but I think we're, you know, I think we're getting past that a little bit now, just because the data has become so clear and the scale is clear and, and the customer feedback ultimately, you know, our carriers know we're an extension of their brand. I mean, if we ever yeah. delivered a bad, you know, experience, then you know, they would even if the tech worked, they'd want nothing to do with it. So so we pride pride ourselves on really working hard to deliver a great experience. Forget the tech. I mean, but just to deliver a great experience for the homeowner. And, and make sure we do that right as well. Well, we're big fans. Lee is Lee has a complete total, uh, I was going to say man crush, but really it's a product crush. It's a software crush. Yeah. It's, a, it's not. I, a, do, yeah. I, I, have, I have told more people about this little device and recommended it just, just because it puts you at ease, right? It just it's puts mine. you at yep. ease. Yep. 
no. peace of mind is an important uh, important thing, and um, and we work hard to deliver that. So, well, we wish you um, all the best, and obviously, you guys are on a great roll, and that's really exciting. I mean, and this episode is really the kind of thing that we love to have, which is a unique a unique idea a, solving a real problem successfully. <laughs> right. And so like Lee said, we've been sent various and sundry IOT devices through the years. Most of them are sitting in our, the top of our closet. Right. Yeah. But most but yours, are. yours is actually sitting where it should be. And that's in an outlet in Lee's house. Plugged so. right in, plugged yeah. right in. I'm actually monitored it the entire time here, and it stayed within the lines. And I feel good about it. (laughs) Well, very good. Well, it's fun fun to be here today, guys. It is great. Thank Thank you you for being on. And uh, and we'll stay in touch and uh, hear from you uh, down the road. I'm sure that there's more fun things coming. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Lee. You know what's cool about that episode is – that's like, that was like an old school episode. It was an old school. That's exactly what I thought when it was time to have, I was like, this is like an old school episode, year one, mm-hmm. IOT, IOT, IOT. Uh-huh. Tell us what you do, what you, what, what the problem, what do you solve? Yeah. How does it work? Are you a technology yeah. or yeah. No, it was, it was a really fun episode to be able to go back to think about those, but it's interesting. We don't have a lot of IOT devices on anymore. No. Right. I can't think of the last one, and yeah. uh, it seems like IoT devices, on the one hand, migrated into home security. Yeah, they did. Right? They did. There, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of that. Uh huh. I'm thinking so, why. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it, it, that was a great episode. I was very excited to get to talk about Ting, and to be able to to bring them on. I have had their service for a couple of years now, and I'm glad to introduce them to you, Rob. Well, it's about time that you brought a guest to our podcast. I know. One, I, I don't even know if I do one a year. 250 episodes. This is Lee's second guest that he's brought. Oh, I've Thanks, got a, Lee. I bet I brought more than that. Thanks, Lee, twice. Wow. I wanted, I wanted a few Cody other Eddings, songs we got. Cody Eddings. Oh, I don't want to go down the list. Tink. I don't want to go down the list. There's yeah, others. Yeah. yeah don't, There's actually me, we other IOT. We, we have time for you to go down the list. <laughs> there are other IOT devices that I brought because I was really into IOT devices. And it normally went this way. Who's our guest today? Oh, I found this person. And you would say, oh, okay. <laughs> and then after the, after the interview, you'd be like, oh, that was a really good episode. I'm glad I found that person. And I'd say, yeah, Robbie did good. That's normally what how I have it works. To put up with. What I That's our little dance. That's our little dance. The things I have to put up with. The I'm just saying, I won today. I the, won. No, I don't think so. It no. was me. It was all no, me. Just saying that you won doesn't mean you won. <laughs> well, no one's saying I didn't win. I won. You can't just say, oh, look at me. I won. No. I won. You have to, I won. It has to, there has to be a validation to it. I won. <laughs> I validate. I'll tell you what. You bring 10 episodes... Okay, and uh, then we'll judge it. Well, I will go back, and I'm going to count how many I brought, and I bet all the good ones you're going to say no. It's I a good. Those. It's a good thing that you have five fingers on one hand because you won't need them. <laughs> well, all. what if there's a bad episode you, I brought? I wouldn't take ownership of that. Need them all. Well, listen, we, we you don't have to listen to our bickering, everybody. Thank you for being here. I'm sure you enjoyed that episode as much as we did. 
And um, Lee and I, we're taking a big trip next week. We're going to we London. Are. We're taking we the podcast. London? We're taking the podcast. We're doing a podcast in London, England. So, so watch for that. And uh, and thanks for being with us. Thanks, Alicia and Al, for all you do. And thanks to you, the audience, for putting up with us again. And so until next time. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.